This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. If you would, come with me to a moment of prayer. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for accepting our invitation to come into this place. Now, we already know that you are here. Now we ask that you give us the courage to rest in your presence. Open our eyes that we may see, our hearts that we may receive, and our ears that we may hear. Lord, I know that I can't preach, but I know the Holy Spirit can. So God, will you move me out of the way as I stand behind your sacred desk? Not my will, not my words, not my thoughts, but thy will be done. Speak, Holy Spirit, speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our text was read in the scripture reading this morning from Amos chapter 7, verses 7 to 17. I'm just going to reread um, a few of the beginning verses, beginning at verse 7. And I'm reading from the New International Version. This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb, with the plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, what do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. And then the Lord said, look, I am setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Look, I am setting a plumb line among my people, Israel, I will spare them no longer. If we could just for a moment meditate on the thought, the plumb line still hangs. The plumb line still hangs. I had the wonderful opportunity a couple years ago, or maybe three years ago, um, to go to Cambridge, Maryland, to see a mural of Harriet Tubman painted by the artist Michael Rosado. It's located on an exterior wall of the Harriet Tubman Museum and Educational Center in downtown historic Cambridge. The mural itself is a lifelike image of Harriet Tubman reaching out from a wall, beckoning you to take her hand to the path to freedom. The piece is so beautiful and so powerful that in its three-dimensional medium, if you allow yourself to just stare at it and rest in the vision of the picture or of the painting, you will feel as if you could really grab her hand and reach out to go to the other side. Her real hands were able to lead many people to freedom, but everyone 
did not take her hand. And as I looked at this image, this image of this hand, I was imagining that this could be God's hand beckoning us to freedom. Not only from human slavery, but freedom from anything and everything that keeps us from walking in the liberating power of God. Mm -hmm. But just like Harriet Tubman's peace or in her time, when people did not always take her hand to freedom, we don't always accept the hand of God. Well. Today, we visit the book of Amos, which unfolds God's word through the prophet Amos. The book of Amos is most known for its compelling call to justice. Mm -hmm. The chapter that brings it most to life is found in Amos chapter 5, verse 24, and I know you have heard this before. Mm -hmm. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Not only does God deal with issues of justice, but God holds his people accountable for their lack of holy justice. Yes. Meaning that the church folk in the holy place of God were not honoring God. One commentator called it the pious veneer of religion. That means that God was calling the church folk out on their stuff. A veneer is an artificial cover on top of something. It's like, for example, if one day, which I never will, because I think God gave it to me, I decide to get veneers to cover the gap in my teeth. It would cover it, you would no longer see it because it would be hiding something. And so this commentator is saying that there was something on top of what may have been or probably was imperfect. The religious folk looked good on the outside, but underneath the veneer of their religiosity, their hearts were far from God. Amos was not a prophet with a long lineage of priesthood, but he was a humble man. He described himself as a shepherd and one who took care of sycamore fig trees. Mm -hmm. In his own words, he said, but the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy to my people Israel. And at this point in biblical history, the wealthy people of Israel were living well. Mm -hmm. They were finding great peace and great prosperity. However, while they enjoyed their wealth, they were oppressing yes. the poor. Yes. The condition of their lives reminded me of our current society, mm -hmm. 
where only 1% of the people own the majority of the wealth. Well, the rich keep getting richer yes. and the poor keep getting poorer. Just like we wake up every day and on the news again and again, every morning somebody is shot, somebody is killed. Why? Because somebody is greedy for ammunition and want to make money so they don't care about lives. As a matter of fact, it doesn't even touch them. It is regular people like you and I who are being killed on the streets because of somebody else's greed. In this seventh chapter, Amos is given three visions. Three visions of God's judgment upon the people. One, being an attacked, uh, the people would be attacked with locusts. And the other is that they would be attacked through fire. Mm -hmm. However, in each of these pronouncements, Amos convinced God to hold off, yes. to relent. However, in this third vision, God does not negotiate with Amos, but tells him what will come to pass. And in this third vision, Amos sees the Lord standing by a wall with a plumb line in his hand. Now, a plumb line is a string with a weight fastened to one end. And when the string is held up to a wall, the weight causes it to hang in an absolutely vertical position. Now, people would use this measurement or this method to see whether a wall was leaning or not, or whether it was safe or dangerous. So I would take the string, I would take the weight and put it against the wall. And if the weight did not stand vertically, perfectly straight, it meant that something was off. Yes. The plumb line in this text was symbolic of the fact that God was measuring whether Israel was standing straight or if they were leaning and in danger of collapsing. Well. The Lord tells Amos that he is setting a plumb line among his people Israel and that he will spare them no longer. This was a season of judgment that was about to come upon the people of God. Yes. The Lord said, look, I'm setting a plumb line among my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be destroyed and the sanctuaries of Israel will be ruined with my sword. I will rise against the house of Jeroboam. Wow. Mm. You see, my brothers and sisters, God was bringing judgment upon the people because they had become too complacent and they were serving other idols and oppressing the poor. Too often in our comfortableness, when we do turn on the news and when we do see destruction, we easily can judge it, easily say that it's somebody else's fault, 
But sometimes through our complacency, we become a part of the problem. Complacency is defined as uncritical satisfaction with oneself or one's achievement. You know, sometimes we just get so excited that God is blessing our church and that we paid our bills on time. And then we just get happy and we just hope that it stays like this. And then we become comfortable. We like, I love you, you love me. We're one big happy family. And then we forget that the church is not about us becoming you and me one big happy family, but it's really about us working together to make sure that those who are in need, their needs are met and that the gospel is brought to the world. But we don't do that. If we're honest, we don't do that. Not that we're trying to be selfish on purpose, but we become comfortable. And we fall in love with each other in the church. And then we forget about all the stuff we're really supposed to be doing. Unfortunately, the church at times becomes so enamored with itself and its accomplishments that it really is no longer serving God. You know, we get really happy. We fed 3,000 people this week. We clothed the naked. And that's good. That's what you're supposed to, but you're not supposed to be proud of it. You're just supposed to keep doing it. That's right. That's right. In the name of Jesus. Amos tried to bring the word to the priest at this time. But the priest became intimidated and said that Amos was trying to bring conspiracy to Israel and he had the nerve to tell him not to prophesy. Sometimes the church thinks that it does not need a word of correction from the Lord. But my brothers and my sisters, more than ever, the church needs to hear a word from the voice of a prophet. The church for too long has lived a veneer kind of religion. Not y'all, but the church. We have a form of godliness, but we have no spiritual power. We have a form of godliness, but have no spiritual power. We serve a forgiving God. And we can ask God for forgiveness, but we have to be intentional about trying to honor God at all times, in all places, and in in all circumstances. I had a conversation with a friend the other day. I said, you know, the Lord's been making sure that I pay attention to my ego. I'm generally, you know, pretty selfless, you know, kind of nice kind of kid, you know, 
don't know it much bother me. But even as nice as I think I am, everybody got an ego. Mm -hmm. And so I was saying, can you think of times like when your ego just pops up and you have to tell it to go sit down? Right? Especially, you know, in the church, you know. Don't they know that I'm the presiding elder? Don't they know that I am the pastor? Don't they know that I am the pro tem of the steward board? Don't they know that I've been a member of the church for 999 years? Don't they know that I, this is my seat, that I paid and wrote a check for this seat? Don't they know that I should be able to sit in the front because of the title that I have? All of that stuff is not of God. But it has become a part of our ceremonial ritual in the church. A veneer of religiosity. But our lives must be measured by our standard of living. And God's standard of living is to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and all your soul, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that we have not love, we have nothing. It doesn't matter how big our buildings get. It does not matter how much money we raise. It does not matter how many people join the church. If you have not learned to love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, we are out of order. If we have not learned to love each other as I love myself, we are out of order. And this love that God is talking about is not a love that you can switch on and off. It's a love that is consistent whether you speak to me or not. It's a love that says I will love you even if you hate me. It's a love that will assist you even if you don't assist me. It's a love that says I will love you even if you don't love me back. It's a love that says I'll love you when you're right and I'll love you when you're wrong. That's walking in the standard and the order of God. It's a love that does not separate from the have and the have not. It's a love that does not have a head table, but everybody sits down and is equal at the table. It's a love that says that your color is not better than my color, but we had no color in the love of God. It's a love that says that even when I'm cracked and I'm broken, that you won't talk about my brokenness, but you'll help put me back together again. It's the kind of love that picks somebody up off the ground and tells them I was where you were. You're going to make it. I am convinced, my brothers and my sisters, that we are in a season of change. Even our theme for the first district says a transitioning church. And you need to listen to this. God 
right now for the church is giving us the opportunity to remember that he holds the plumb line in his hand yes. and that he is giving us this season for correction. This is a season of correction. So all of the stuff that we've been doing that we've had no business doing in the name of Jesus, it's time to correct it, get it right, because God is still holding the plumb line in his hand. We have been doing a lot of things but have been doing, have not been doing what has been required of the Lord. There's a story in the Bible about a man who was traveling to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of a robber. He was stripped of everything and left by the side of the road to die. But a few people encountered him that day. The scripture says it's a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. I would say in a modern context, it was a preacher, a church person, and an outsider. Two of the three people that passed him by were the preacher and the church person. They were supposed to be the one who have helped him. But it was the outsider, the Samaritan, the one who didn't go to church, the one who didn't call on the name of Jesus, the one that folk used to look down on. He was the one that picked the man up, bandaged his wounds, put him on a donkey, and took him to an innkeeper to take care of him and said, do what you need to do, and if I owe you, I'll pay you upon my return. My brothers and my sisters, we are living in a time where the man on the side of the road is being passed by. We are living in a country where it's hard to find justice for the least and the left out. But God's plumb line is still hanging. And when he hangs the line, he's going to measure our wall. Will it be determined that the wall is standing straight? Or will it be determined that it needs to be torn down? Let the church be the church. Not of super Christians, but let it be of people who want to do what the Lord requires. To act justly, love mercy, and walk hum humbly with your God. Amos was an ordinary layperson, but God called him to bring a word to make a difference. We can do all things through Christ that strengthen us. We must continue to challenge our internal wall every once in a while. You got to go to the side of your soul and knock. Go up one side. And if you hear or feel that there's something weak right there, stay on the wall and ask God to strengthen you. We cannot get comfortable just because we got saved. Yes, salvation will open up the doors of heaven. But if we don't live the life 
that God has required of us. If we don't take that hand that God has extended for freedom, we shall not make it to heaven. For Jesus said that there will be some. He will say, I never knew you. And you might say, but I fed the hungry and I clothed the naked. I cast out demons in your name. But if your soul is not anchored in the Lord, when God hangs the plumb line, he too is coming to, to, to destroy what has not given God the glory. My brothers and my sisters, we have become too arrogant and too comfortable. And we think just because Jesus died for our sins, that when we mess up, we'll just pray and God's going to forgive us. We forget and get caught in the honeymoon of church and forget that God is still going to judge us one day. Not too many preachers preach about judgment, but judgment is coming. God still sees when nobody else sees what we do. God still knows that even when you do what is right and everybody sees what you do is right. But if your heart does not match the actions, that means nothing to God. If you believe that God so loved the world and that he gave his only begotten son so that you would have life and have it more abundantly, it is time for us to stand in the moment of correction and be corrected by God. I'm so glad for his grace and mercy. And if we follow Jesus, we will be able to stand in that rightful place. Listen, if you're anything like me, if the Lord came to me now and hung his plumb line near me, this wall would be leaning. Because I know that there's always a better place, something better that I can do. And so all we can do is say, Lord, you know what? This building is leaning. This wall is not standing straight. Give me the courage to see what is offensive to you. Give me the courage to own it. Don't blame nobody, but own it. And then give me the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to trust you enough to let it go and to walk straight according to your will. God is calling all of us to be prophets just like Amos. Yes. But nobody wants to be a prophet. because a pro Listen, a prophet is not a person that gives you numbers to play in a lottery. <laughs> prophet is not a person that's going to tell you about the future. A prophet is one who brings a word from the Lord. Amen. And most prophets don't come and say, God said you're doing a great job. Uh -huh. Most prophets come so that we can correct and get things in order for God. Ask God, even if it's a prophetic word through somebody else, Lord, I want to get right. I, I, I want to get it 
Right. You'll never get perfect. But if God knows your heart and you're trying for real, for real, not that, you know, that fake stuff we do, we go, well, God knows my heart. No, because if your heart was mad, your heart matches your actions. So what you do is what is got to come from the heart. If you are a true disciple of Christ, your wall will stand strong when God hangs his plumb line. For guess what? It is not God's desire for us to fall under his judgment, but God wants to save us. He, he doesn't. He's not the kind of God. He doesn't want you to trip up. He, just, he, he wants to save. So just take his hand and walk to the other side of freedom. The enemy doesn't have a stronghold over you when you have God. Trust God. Get up. Fall down. Get up again. Fall down. Get up again. Don't let go. And one day, if you stay sincere, authentic before God, you will hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Let's not forget that the plumb line still hangs.